Well, good morning. What a uh, wild experience this is to be up here. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name is Andrew Wells. I'm the new director of youth and service here at uh, College Hill Presbyterian Church. Uh, I've been here for about two months, and Drew said it might be a good time for me to be up here and share a little bit about myself. Uh, some of you know me. Uh, I grew up here, but a lot of you maybe have never seen me before. Uh, but I'm a product of College Hill Presbyterian Church's long tradition of building into young people. Um, I think a quick story could illustrate this. Um, the first Sunday we were here, uh, I was dropping off my daughter Maddie uh, to her class. She's four years old. Uh, I'm dropping her off, and uh, the teacher came out, and it was Carol Schubert, and she said, I was your teacher when you were two years old. That's over 30 years ago, and she is still teaching. So it's people like Carol uh, and probably a hundred other people uh, that are the reason why I'm here this morning. Uh, whether it was at Sunday school, whether it was at Bible studies, summer camp, uh, I see even some of my uh, summer camp counselors here, which is so wild. Um, it's just an unbelievable thing that God does in our hearts and so many people that he uses uh, to make those changes. People walked alongside me uh, through hard times while we were here. Uh, when my parents got divorced, people were alongside of us. When my sister had cancer, uh, many of you are still here. We're praying for her then, and, uh, and she's doing well still. Um, people walked with my family, walked with me, uh, walked me through my uh, incredibly selfish and self-focused teenage years as well. And all through that time saw potential in me and said, keep following after Jesus. Uh, and so it is just unbelievable to be here. Uh, and it's an honor and it's a privilege uh, and it's just weird as well. Um, but uh, and just so many things that are different uh, with our church, but then so many things that are the same. And I would say the things that are the same are the things that I love about our church. So I hope that you can see uh, why I love being here, uh, why we're excited about being here, why my wife and I just think this is home. Um, I've had the opportunity to be up here a couple times as well uh, in choir school. Uh, we'd sing up here, and I, was, I even got to be Jonah uh, during a choir school, Jonah. Uh, I think that was only because uh, the person who was supposed to be Jonah uh, had to go out of town for a funeral, and so I was like the backup Jonah. Um, originally, my role was the whale, <laughs> and, and my lines were blurp, blurp. <laughs> And it switched over to, to being in, like the main person, which is so uncomfortable for me. Uh, so so uh, choir school, uh, times with my faith where uh, I made impactful decisions uh, when I was baptized up here when I was 13. Uh, and I think the, the last time that I was up here was when my wife and I got married. Uh, we had grown up in the youth group together and... Um, uh, I'd been in love with her since I was like 16, uh, and it took her a little longer to figure that out, uh, that we were supposed to be together, but uh, that was about 10 years ago, we're celebrating 10 years, and I think that was the last time I was up here before we were inter introduced uh, to the congregation two months ago. So um, this, is, this is my church, uh, this is home for us, and it feels so, uh, so good. Uh, and today we get to share a bit about, uh, I get to share a bit about our journey, how Mandy and I have been uh, growing, what we've been learning uh, over the last 10 years. Um, I think we, uh, after we got married, we moved to Chicago. Uh, and we were working with a youth group up there, and we were both finishing up school. Uh, and it was at that time that we took, uh, took our students to a conference up there, and we heard a guy named Shane Claiborne. Has anybody heard of Shane Claiborne? Like three people. Uh, okay, so since you haven't heard of him, look up Christian Radical, 
and you will find Shane Claiborne. Uh, so what does a Christian radical look like? Uh, he would define it as someone, and this is pretty radical, someone that pursues after Jesus' teaching. That's it. Uh, who, who says, what, what did Jesus really want us to do? How did he want us to live uh, and to take his word seriously? And he talks about his faith journey. He says, as I, I knew about Jesus and I knew um, he was my Savior, he was my Lord, but as I looked at Jesus, his life didn't look like my life at all. Uh, and I, I started asking the question, what if Jesus actually meant the stuff he said? And, and that's, why, that's why, you know, we threw that slide up this morning. What if Jesus actually meant the stuff he said? What if we couldn't pick and choose the things of Jesus that we like or the things that he taught us that were kind of easy and then kind of put the rest aside? Uh, hearing him speak at this conference uh, became a pivotal moment in my life. Uh, you know, I took students there, and when, whenever you take them on a trip or a camp, you're always praying, God, move in the hearts of these students, impact them. Uh, but at this conference, it was me that was being impacted, uh, that really got uh, grabbed a hold of by God. Um, it was one of those times where you look back and you just say, I, I was never the same after that. Uh, I think I had a pretty, pretty basic understanding of Christianity at that point. Uh, I knew we were created to have a relationship with God. Uh, I knew that because of our sin, we were, we were broken off from that relationship uh, and we were separated from God. But because Jesus loved us so much, as Jude just shared, uh, that Jesus died for us so that we could be in relationship with him. Uh, if we accept him as Savior and Lord, then we can be in relationship and we can have eternal life with him for forever. Uh, and so I understood life after death. Uh, but I think it was the life before death. You know, what is life supposed to look like? Is it about being a better person? Uh, Is it about trying to stop sinning as much? Is it about reading your Bible or is it about praying more? All those things are good, but they miss a big part of what Jesus really calls us to. Um, And so I heard Shane speak in this conference. He talked about the importance of caring for the poor. Uh, He talked about the importance of uh, giving sacrificially of ourselves so that other people could just simply live. Um, it's one of those moments where um, you just say, something's off in my life, um, and, and something needs to change. Uh, Shane asked this question, what if Jesus actually meant the stuff he said uh, in the Bible? If you followed after it and said, you know, this, he says this, he says this, he says this. What if we took all of that and said, I'm going to live it all out? Uh, and he talks specifically about caring for people in need, caring for people who are poor, and I simply didn't have that. So here I am, the professional ministry veteran, you know, with all my students around me, and they're all looking to me to say, well, what do we do with this teaching? And I just say, I, I don't even know. I started to question, am I even a follower of Jesus? I started reading through my Bible asking the same question. Um, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles, uh, if you don't have one in the pew or wherever, find one, because we're going to be looking at them. I think some of it will be up on the screen, but we're going to be looking at uh, a bunch of different places. So... Uh, Go ahead and open those. And uh, I started looking at the book of Matthew, asking the question, what if Jesus meant the stuff he said? Uh, And in Matthew 4, Jesus starts out his ministry and he says, repent and then follow me. Those are his first two, you know, commands of what. And I think that really says it kind of sums up the Christian life, like repent from your past life and follow after me. So his disciples, they drop everything and they follow him. Uh, And Jesus lives with them and teaches them for years. And he shows them what it means to be his disciple. Uh, as I read through Matthew asking that question, I was most struck by what, uh, what he taught in the last week of his life. Uh, he knows uh, that he's going to, to be killed. He's going to be killed for us. And so when you look at that last week, you just say, 
this was probably pretty important stuff. You know, he's finishing off his ministry with his disciples. And so if you turn to Matthew 21, uh, you'll see Jesus entering Jerusalem. Matthew uh, 21, 10 to 11 says, When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So you look at the whole city is stirred up, right? So he's in Jerusalem. Everyone's watching him. Everyone's saying, who is this guy? And everyone's looking at him and saying, what is he about? What is he doing? And then what does Jesus do? In the very next verse, Matthew 21, 12, it says, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. And I think this is a picture of what Jesus was about. He's about calling out the people who think they have it all together, the self-righteous, and he's about caring for people who are hurting. Matthew twenty-one twenty-five recorded his teachings in his last days on earth. Uh, and we don't have time to look at all of 21 to 25, I guess. Or do we? I don't know. How much, how much time can I have up here? Um, I'll just sum it up for you. Uh, for, for, these are Andrew's words of what, what I think Jesus really got at in the last, these last chapters, his last teaching while he was here on earth. I think the one is Jesus says he's the only way to the Father. I think that is basic and that is something that we have to grab and we have to say anything that we get right is only because Jesus is impacting our lives, uh, anything that we're doing at all, and he's the only way to have a relationship with God. That's clear. Uh, and he also says, many of you who think that you have it all together, don't. And he's pushing after the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and saying, yeah, you think you got it all right, but you don't. You're missing it. Uh, and then he says, you better get ready. Like, not only do you, are you getting it wrong, but you better get ready because the kingdom of God is near. So it's not something like, well, you're not getting it right, but you got time. Don't worry. Take your time and you'll get there. He says, you don't have it right, and you better figure it out quick because the kingdom of God is here. And then he describes what his disciples look like, and they are people who care for people in need. Matthew 25 is at the end of this last big teaching, and that's what, we're gonna, uh, what I want to focus on here real quick. So go ahead and be at Matthew 25. We're going to uh, read it, uh, verse 31 here. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Put the sheep on his right, and he'll put the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. 
I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison, and we did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Kind of a bold passage for my first Sunday here. <laughs> um, it, it doesn't get any clearer or stronger than that. This is Jesus, the very end of his teaching. Uh, and he says, if you are following me uh, and you're caring for people who are in need, people who are hungry, thirsty, in prison, all those, uh, he says, you get what it means to be a follower and you will be with me eternally. He says, and if you claim that you're following me, but you're not caring for people in need, you're not caring for the sick, people in prison, people who are hungry, people who are thirsty, people who need clothes. You don't understand what it means to be a follower of me. And this isn't, this isn't new. This isn't Jesus' is like he just came up with this at the end of his ministry. Uh, you see it all throughout the Old Testament when, Jesus, or when God's given the law to Moses and he's saying, these are the things that I want in my land. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, the widows are taken care of, the orphans are taken care of, the aliens are taken care of. There was no place for need in the Old Testament. There was no place for need in, uh, in, the, in the country of Israel. And God made sure of that because he loves everyone. He wants to make sure that no one is in need. Uh, and you see it in the prophets when they call out for justice, when they say something's not right. You need to change this. You're not caring for the people who are hurting. Uh, when they call out for mercy on people who are sick, who are in need. Uh, and you see it all through Jesus' life. He's always pursuing after people who are hurting. He's always uh, touching lepers. He's always, uh, you know, he has compassion on people who are hungry. And he says, feed them, you know. Uh, and you see it in the, uh, the early church. You see it in the book of Acts. And you see it in, uh, in all the letters in the New Testament. And I want to read from uh, 1 John 3, uh, 16 to 18. You can go ahead and turn there. I think, I, I think it's even a funny, like, number. You know, John three sixteen. anybody know that one? Kind of a popular one. Yeah, uh, for God to love the world. You know, you guys could all quote it probably. What about 1 John three sixteen? You know, it's like the same numbers, but it's just not quite as popular. Uh, 1 John three sixteen um, says, 16 through 18, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Uh, Jesus said the greatest commandments were to, to love God and love other people, right? And here he, he, he defines it, and he says, you know, what if we're not caring, if we have material possessions and we, and we see people in need, but we don't do anything about it, how can the love of God be in us? And so as, as I read through the Bible saying, did Jesus really mean this stuff? Did he really want us to pursue after all this? Um, I, I, I said, I, I don't think I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, you know, I knew, I knew about a relationship with God, but there were pieces of my life that just didn't look like Jesus at all. Um, and I said, that something needs to change. Does anybody relate to this? Does anyone, does anyone read this passage and say, something is glaringly wrong in my life because I do not look like Jesus? Yeah? Not bigger. I need a little more. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's at least three people in me here, so the rest of you can go or come up here and teach instead. Um, 
I think this is where we can go back to Mandy's and my journey uh, and what we did with this. Uh, so we were working at uh, this church in one of the wealthiest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, and, and so we started trying to do stuff about it. We started raising money uh, for kids who were hungry, packing food. Uh, we would uh, go down to the soup kitchen and serve. We would, you know, we'd take mission trips, service projects. We're, we built bunk beds for kids who didn't have beds. Um, all these things that we did uh, felt good. And it was like, yay, <laughs> I feel good about myself. And we'd come back to church and say, hey, high five, way to help those people in need. You know, and we felt good. You know, there was like a warm, cozy feeling inside of us. But our hearts didn't change. It didn't really impact us. You know, we were doing this out of obedience. We said, Jesus wants us to care for people in need. But we didn't do it out of compassion. We didn't do it because we just loved people and wanted to do something. We realized that we needed to be in relationship with people in need. Uh, And where we were at our church, we just, that wasn't happening. Um, We were in this very wealthy place. And you would have to travel like 40 minutes downtown, you know, to really be among uh, the poor and homeless um, people who were hungry. Uh, and so Mandy and I loved our church, a great, great place. And we still love the people up there. But we realized that if we were to follow after Jesus, we needed to make an intentional shift in our life to live with people who were poor, uh, with people who were homeless. Um, and so we moved to Texas. If you want to hang out with poor people, I guess you moved to Texas. Um, we, we knew of a group down there called Mission Waco, uh, and they've been living out Matthew 25 for decades, uh, caring for people who were homeless, people who were hungry, um, people who were hurting and going through all different, um, different difficulties. Uh, and so we took part in a four-month internship down there. We packed up our two cars, and we packed up pretty much anything you could fit in there and our kids and drove down to Texas for what we thought was four months. Uh, and uh, this four months was filled with just very difficult times, uh, very hard uh, teachings and uh, awkward situations, embarrassing situations. Um, and... and but, but through it all, we just learned what it meant to walk along people who were struggling through poverty. Uh, one, of, one of the most powerful um, experiences we had down there, it was, I think it was, it was either the first weekend that we were there or the second weekend, we took a part in one of their poverty simulations, which is where basically people who are rich get to, uh, I don't want to say pretend, but I guess uh, experience what it feels like to be in poverty. Uh, and so basically you show up and Mission Waco staff will host, you know, 10 to 50 people at a time and say, this is what it feels like to be in poverty. So they pretty much take everything from you, uh, even your clothes, uh, and you go to their free store and you pick out some clothes that, that they use the store for people who are going through homelessness. So you got about five minutes to find something that kind of fits, you know, and then you got to figure out where am I going to sleep and where am I going to eat, uh, and at the end of this weekend, you're just saying to yourself, how in the world do people survive this? And I remember walking to church uh, with Mandy that Sunday morning, and we're walking, <laughs> walking down the middle of the street because uh, there, was, there was glass on the sidewalk, and we were barefoot because the shoes we got from the free store didn't fit. Uh, note to self, when you donate things to free store, don't donate your junky shoes, donate nice shoes. <laughs> um, so we're walking down barefoot, uh, and we're pushing the shopping cart because we had our three kids with us. Uh, Philip at the time was one, Maddie was two, and Simon was four, I think. And so we're walking down the street barefoot with some funky clothes on, pushing the shopping cart with our kids piled in, going to church. And I'm just like, how in the world did we get to this point? You know, and you're thinking, people that are struggling through homelessness or poverty have to go through this all the time. 
you know, we're walking there and our kids are like, we're hungry. You know, it's like, parents all the time have to hear their kids say, I'm hungry. You know, and started to get it, you know. It wasn't about caring for people in need out of obedience, but caring for people in need out of compassion. So, so this woman drives up in this pickup truck, because that's what you drive in Texas. Uh, and she says, y'all need a ride? And we said, yes. So we ditched our shopping cart and threw the kids in the back of the bed of the truck. Nice and safe. Um, and we drove to uh, Church Under the Bridge, um, which, by the way, I think uh, we have this nice thing called a church without walls. But Church, church Under the Bridge it literally meets under a uh, expressway overpass. I don't know if you guys have heard of it before, but it's it's this mix of poor and rich, black, white, Hispanic, college students, uh, and it's just this crazy mix of people that just meet underneath a bridge. There's no walls, uh, and you just hang out in kind of like the, the gravelly stuff, and you worship God together, and it's beautiful. But so we we get there, and we're served a meal, and our kids are happy because they get to eat, you know, and... Uh, at the end of the service, uh, God, I think God just does powerful things for you sometimes when you really need it. Uh, at the end of the service, this girl walks up, this little girl walks up to my daughter. And just picture us, you know, we got funky clothes again. Uh, we're just kind of sitting around. We, I mean, we look homeless. Uh, anybody that looked at us would say, yeah, there's a homeless family over there. That's, that's hard. And this little girl walks up to my daughter, Maddie, and hands her a Barbie doll and says, here, I want you to have this. And I'm not, it, it, I think it was the first time in my life that I really experienced what it felt like to need other people. And it was one of the first times I really experienced what it felt like to be helped by other people uh, and for people to love my kids in my homelessness or what looked like homelessness anyway. Um, and so experiences like that in Waco... Um, they grabbed a hold of me, and I can't, I can't, I don't have time to explain all that we learned out there, and I'm still trying to figure out what all I learned out there. But uh, at the end of our internship of four months, we realized we had more questions than answers. You know, we had some things that we had understood more about poverty and, like, why, why do people always have shopping carts? Because they're incredibly versatile, you know. Um, but there were a lot of things we didn't know, and we said, well, I think we need to stay in Waco. Uh, so we stayed there, uh, and we moved in, and I got a job at the homeless shelter, and Mandy started working at the uh, crisis pregnancy clinic. Uh, and it was, it was an amazing time in our life where um, God got a hold of us uh, and broke our hearts and helped us realize our own spiritual poverty as we were learning about what it meant to walk alongside people going through poverty. Um, but we, we knew it wasn't our final destination. Uh, we always asked God, where do you want us next? Uh, and he made it clear, and he said that, this is where you should be at College Hill Presbyterian. And I think there were, there were probably uh, a couple factors that, um, that sort of stood out in that one was uh, the, the vision of our church being a church without walls. Uh, I look at that and I think we, we don't want to be just in here. We want to be in our community. We want to love people. We don't want the walls of our church to hold us in. We want to go and be out there. That's one thing that I said, that is right. You know, that's something that College Hill has a vision of, of what church should look like. Uh, the second was just this idea of pairing a, a youth ministry job with a uh, service job and getting people plugged into the community. I was like, well, that's everything I ever want to be, so that's just perfect. Uh, and then I, th- I think just a sense of call, call back home. Um, and I haven't, I haven't sh- shared this before, but we came up for, uh, for Christmas, um, and we got to come to the Christmas Eve service. 
uh, and we're sitting there and, and they're offering our communion. So we come up and uh, Jan Johnson is up there and she says, welcome home. <laughs> and both at Manny and I at that point, that's when we knew our time in Waco was done. It was right then because this is home. This is where we're supposed to be. And this is where I think God can best use what we learned in Waco uh, and serve here in the church. Uh, so so that's, that's a bit about me. Um, sorry that... Well, I'm not sorry. Uh, I want you to learn about me, but uh, I feel bad that you guys had to hear about me all morning. Um, but we've only been here two months, and it's hard to define things at this point as far as what, what I really hope for for our church. But I think the best I can word it, I tried to write it down, so I kind of, the best I can think is my hope is to see everyone at College Hill Presbyterian Church engaged in uh, God's work of restoring what's broken in College Hill. Uh, let me break that down a little bit more. So everyone engaged, not just a few of us or a few of you doing way too much more than you should be doing, um, but everyone in the church engaged um, in God's work, realizing that it's not our plans, it's not our strength, it's not our power, but it's what God is doing, um, restoring what's broken, um, anything that's outside of God's plan, anything that God looks at and says, that's not right. And we look at it and we say, that's not right. You know, the things that are broken in College Hill. Um, and in College Hill, just because this is, this is our church, this is our community. So really focusing in on our community around us and loving people there. Uh, and so we have a vision of being a church without walls. And I think Drew shared uh, about when the walls come down, there's just a whole lot of rubble that you have to get over. So I think my role in that is to help us all cross over that rubble and build into and love our community. Um, our church is already incredibly engaged. Um, you look at how our church is meeting needs in our community, uh, whether it's, you know, it's Feast of Love, it's, uh, you know, Kids Impact. There's all these different things going on that our church is already plugged into. Um, we're, we're meeting physical needs, we're engaged in the relational needs in our community, and we're supporting kids in our community. And I think that's, those are great focuses. Um, and and lo- so, so looking at all the things that we're a part of, because I've been here for two months and meeting with a whole lot of people, like, what are we doing? What is our church about? I see that this church takes the things that Jesus says seriously uh, and takes passages like Matthew 25 and caring for people in need seriously. Uh, and that encourages me and gets me excited, even more excited to be here. Uh, but my hope is to see everyone individually engaged uh, in our community. So uh, since, since I had to talk all morning about myself, I want to take a moment to learn about everyone here. And uh, here's, here's my thought. Everyone, I think in front of your seat, there should be a pen or two. Uh, so if everyone can grab a pen, go ahead. Go ahead. That's good. What we're going to do is you guys are going to write me a quick little letter uh, so that I can get to know you. Because obviously I can't meet everybody here this morning. And it takes forever. Uh, relationships take a long time to meet people. So you're going to write me a little note. On your bulletin, there's a place that says, note to Andrew. And maybe you've already written in there a note to me, like, Stop talking so much uh, or whatever. And you can leave that there. That's fine. Uh, But what I want you to write is, Dear Andrew. So it goes to me so no one else gets confused. Dear Andrew, my name is, and then you'll write your name there. Everybody got a pen? Everybody got a bulletin? Anyone need a pen or bulletin? Okay, because I'd really love for everyone to do this. You guys good back here? Just ripping out your music. Um, 
So my name is this. Uh, this is where I'm involved in God's work in restoring what is broken. Um, and these can be inside or outside of College Hill. I know people are uh, plugged in here in College Hill and people are plugged in in the communities that you live in as well. Uh, you can say things like uh, whiz kids, treehouse, working in neighborhoods, et cetera, et cetera. Or you can say, uh, I don't think I'm involved at all in restoring what's broken. And those are, those are valid. Uh, so you're going to write that. And then you're going to write, this is where I'd like to be more involved. Um, and this I'd like you to be real specific to inside College Hill. And again, you can name specific ministries, Treehouse, uh, WizKids, uh, Interfaith Hospitality Network, all the things that, you know, were kind of a part of in College Hill. Uh, or you can say more broad things like, uh, you know, I want to be a part of meeting physical needs in College Hill. Or I want to be a part of healing relationships in College Hill. Or you can say, you know what, Andrew, just put me on like your emergency list and say, whenever you have something that you need or you need someone to do something, just put me down on that list. Um, and here's how you can contact me. This is the, the last part. Put down your email or your phone or your address if you want a letter or you want me to come to your door. Not sure. Um, or you can write down, please don't contact me. So if you, if you, if you listen to me this morning, you're like, I really don't want to hear from that guy again. Just write, I don't, please don't, don't call. Um, so I'll give you maybe another minute uh, just to write those things. Should see everybody writing at this point. If I see your eyes right now, that means you're not writing. So at least pretend. Just do this. And you can keep writing and keep ripping those out, and you're going to toss those into the offering plate as it get passed. And so I'll get those, and I'll get to read a ton of notes from you this week and be incredibly encouraged. And as, as we have a better idea of how you know, we're continuing to serve in College Hill, I'd love to help get all of us plugged into doing that. So hopefully you see this as something that will bring fruition and, and get us all plugged in relationships in College Hill. Uh, and so again, relationships take a long time. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to know everybody in the church, but it's going to take a while to get there. But this is a huge piece to help me um, help me get started in that. Um, I want to leave you uh, the last thing this morning. We're going to show a quick video. Uh, Lucy, a lot of you know Lucy. I just I just heard about her this week. She's here this morning, uh, and she's going to be here for I guess maybe a week and a half or so. Uh, but she's someone who's taken Matthew 25 to heart. She's someone where I look at her and I'm just like, wow. That is someone that really chases after this. Uh, so we're going to watch a quick video, uh, and I hope that it inspires you to dive in and love people in need. I enjoy being in this place. I have seen God's goodness upon my, my life. I have seen many changes since I came to this place. Before I came, I had no hope. Thus, I did not have shelter, clothing, education. I was desperate, but since I came at hope, I have seen difference. I have people who I have sisters and brothers, and also the Lord have blessed me who cares for me. 
Before I came to Hope, my life was miserable. I had nothing to eat, food nor shelter. But since I came to Hope, I've seen God doing mighty and great things into my life. This is because I have education and I have somewhere nice to sleep. I have food to eat and everything that I need. The reason to why most of the children go to the street, sometimes their parents, maybe they were single mothers, and then sometimes they are sick. And when they die, they are left, the children are left with their relative. And since their life is not good there, they run to the street thinking they'll get something to eat. It's comfortable. And when they go to the street, there's no place for them to sleep, nothing to eat unless they eat from garbages or dustbins or sleep outside. And one thing these children, they know, no one loves them. So when they're in the street, and when we go there and get them, we need to tell them the first thing that we love them, but God loves them most.